Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Hey y'all, this is Josiah Gray, and this is Half Street High Heat. Hope you enjoyed today's episode. What's up, everyone? We are back, but more importantly, I am back. I am Nick. You can find me on Twitter at the Coach Moose. I am joined by just Amanda tonight at a white seven eight seven seven. As Ryan is taking the night off tonight after I took off last week, um, and just some <laughs> housekeeping. Uh, hand up, my fault. Uh, there was no episode, second episode last week. Just a little bit of miscommunication. I mean, there was one, but <laughs> there was one. Um, but by the time I saw it in my inbox, it was Sunday after the Giants series. So I figured you guys wouldn't get much out of a, a Giants preview episode when the series was over. I don't know. I, I haven't listened to it, but uh, it's been a while since we offered up an episode to the podcast God. So maybe it was uh, overdue. Maybe it was but, due. Yeah, maybe you yeah. could throw that on the Patreon in five years. It's like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. The, the lost tapes. Uh, but <laughs> mainly apologies to Allison because she filled in for me. And I know she did a great job she filling did. in for me. She was great. But honestly, I don't know if anyone uh, will ever get to hear that. So it'll just be for Ryan and Amanda, I guess. Uh, but we'll have her back on in a more legitimate fashion. And I promise that episode will be published. So hand up my fault. There was no second episode for you last week, but we are kicking off this week on a positive note as the Nats took two of three from the Giants, which I can bet. And again, I didn't listen to the lost tape episode. I can bet that both you, Amanda and Allison and probably Ryan did not have high hopes for the series. Did anyone predict a series win? No, no one predicted a series win. Um, Mm -hmm. I am, I still can't believe they won the series. And, and it was funny. It was all blowouts, the whole series, you know, there was no, there were no close games. I mean, even in the one where the Nats lost though, they started out looking pretty good and then the game got away, but it was, uh, you know, after an eight game losing streak, it was a far better performance than I had hoped for in that series. I mean, the Nats are clearly just a West coast team. Uh, there's a reason they had a triple a system out in Fresno. And now those triple a heads that were, uh, in the Fresno, uh, was it the Grizzlies? 
the Grizzlies organization. Yes, the Grizzlies. Uh, they are now with the major league club, so they're just used to that time zone. So that's why the Nats are a far superior West Coast team as opposed to an East Coast team. So I am calling for the new owners of the Washington Nationals to relocate them to the West Coast, uh, to the Pacific time zone. So that way they play better. I think they uh, should stay here so we can keep going to the games, but should play in the Pacific time zone. <laughs> so every game just starts at 10.05. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. We just, we just all right. That time. So just See, like all. this is, yeah, this is a compromise. <laughs> we like this here. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, the Nats take two of three from the Giants in what was a quite impressive series and uh, a look at what this team could do. There's plenty of holes. We're not going to, you know, pretend like everything's all right. It is very much not all right, but uh, it's a little bit easier as I'm sure, you know, it is easier to watch. It is easier to talk about after a series like this, as opposed to an eight game losing streak and just talking about the same thing over and over again. But before we get into that, Amanda, how are you doing? I am doing fine. I'm uh, glad that you're back. You had a busy week last week. Um, we had oh, a really fun weekend. It's uh, Apple Blossom weekend, the first weekend in May out in Winchester, which is the biggest deal that happens in Winchester every year. I don't know if any of our listeners have ever been out to Apple Blossom, but it's like a week's worth of parades and socials and carnivals. And um, it's super fun. So we took the kids to the carnival this weekend and we got to... Uh, get in the what the kids call the hot pool we have that like the endless pool thing so we got that opened up and it was nice weather on saturday so it was fun it was a good weekend and um i'm really really ready for spring this back and forth with the cold weather is not doing it for me i am it it's the boys of summer we're here to talk about baseball and uh i'm ready for summer uh i'll be honest as soon as you said apple blossom my mind turned to awesome blossom mm -hmm. which is that the the outback one or is that called something else no that's um the outback one is the blooming onion blooming onion so who has the awesome blossom is that chili's maybe no I is it chili's are we bringing back the chili's partnership I I don't know. I don't know. I don't know who has the awesome blossom. We did go to Outback this weekend, actually, though, because my, old, my oldest son had um, his birthday was this weekend. He's 22. Um, it was yesterday. So we went. Out oh, to happy birthday. Uh... Yeah, he shares a birthday with Ryan, whose birthday was also yesterday. If you all have it already. OK, no, don't tell me. Don't tell me. Happy birthday. Sebastian. Oh, it's a good guess. He's Damn it, Gavin. 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 Damn it. Damn it. I mixed them <laughs> but up. But anyway, he, uh, and, uh, he and Ryan uh, over two, over two, over two tonight. <laughs> oh, but, but, but we don't yeah. do the blooming onion. We do the cheese fries. So, uh, I mean, that wasn't the point that was, you said apple blossom. I was like, mm -hmm. awesome blossom. Who the hell has awesome blossom? And I thought about it for I the guess. entire 45 seconds you were, th you were talking. So, okay. Yeah, well, but... the internet knows awesome blossom <laughs> comes from, it's gotta be chilies, hundred percent chilies. Brought up a bunch of flower shops. Do I need to be more specific? <laughs> I, apparently this is, so. This is great radio. Right yeah, here. great, great radio here. It is Chili's. Uh, all right. I nailed it. See, subconsciously, Chili's always on the brain. Always on the brain. <laughs> but yes, happy birthday to Ryan. Uh, I don't know if you guys talked about it in the last episode, but his birthday was yesterday. So happy birthday to our fearless leader, Shaq. Um, but speaking of awesome blossoms, Nope, that's not. Nope. 
that that was I was, I was like I'm very <laughs> curious to see where that segue goes I was like huh <laughs> I had a segue in my mind because you could before, talk about the new uniforms I was like where's he coming so, with this terrible radio a little bit of backstory about me <laughs> <laughs> so I spent the whole last week in this weekend moving so my brain is fried right now um but I'm doing my best I, in my mind I had a quick pitch segment but then you came up with a better one. So I wanted to do yours, but the awesome blossom segue was for mine. But then I realized we weren't doing mine and doing yours. So that's oh, why, see. yeah, it was kind of a failed. So I'm quickly over three and we're like five minutes into the pod. Well, so, the good news is there's nowhere to go, but up from here. So. This is true. All it takes is one swing. All it takes is one swing. Um, all right. <laughs> Maybe speaking of swings, today's quick pitch. We're going to be talking about the baseballs because yet again, the MLB has clearly switched them out. I don't know if they formally uh, admitted to this, but and everyone knows I have a pretty strong pitcher bias. Uh, You know, I've called pitchers princesses on the show before, but I you know (laughs) tend to side with them as well. But that being said, I always respect the knowledge that catchers have for the game. And when you get catchers coming out and saying they can tell the baseballs are different just from the feel of it, that's a very, very real thing. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, some people might call bullshit and hey, you know, to the untrained person, to the casual fan, if you pick up a baseball, you might not be able to tell the difference. But for those that are, you know, active with baseball like I coach and I'm not trying to say like I'm a professional but I can tell the difference between two baseballs and if you're a professional catcher you do this 162 games uh, every single year and you know even more so with practice days and and offseason training all that stuff you're gonna be able to tell especially if it's supposed to be the same baseball every single game uh, every single pitch da 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 MLB has clearly switched out the baseballs and everyone's noticing and they've done this before and they didn't admit to it. MLB has now deadened the baseballs after juicing the baseballs back in 2019. This has resulted in significant drop-offs in offense. Uh, you know, I think the standard for offensive metrics used to be batting average. I think now we're kind of seeing a shift to OPS, which is not the you know most all-inclusive stat, but it's better than batting average. Uh, but the average OPS around the league is like 760, which if you saw someone with a 760 OPS, you would say, oh, are they in a slump or are they just a bad baseball player? But like, that's the average now. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wanted to get your thoughts, Amanda. Should the MLB be using these balls? Should they go back to juice baseballs? Like, what is the right way forward here? That's a really interesting issue to me because you know, they have made so many changes ostensibly to create more offense. So it seems to me the easiest of those changes would be to just use the juiced balls, but instead they've gone through all this rigmarole to make all of these other rule changes. And then they just, I guess I would say I would be fine if they went forward with the juice balls, I'd be fine if they go forward with the dead and balls, just pick one and stick with it. Like, you know, they came out, there was an article on the athletic about this issue where they talked about baseball, you know, MLB came out and said, Hey, in 2021, we introduced these deader balls and, you know, we had to mix them in with the balls left over from 2020 when they were obviously using the juice balls. So 
you know, between, you know, just one group of baseballs used in one game, you might get two different kinds of balls. And that's clearly just an unacceptable situation. You can't have that. And they did say that they are using one ball this year that was made in one production batch and they're all being kept in humidors all around the league. So I think obviously that ball that they're using this year is not the juiced ball. But one of the things that was mentioned in this athletic article that I thought was really interesting was that um, they had a chart. Let's see if maybe we can tweet it out for you guys um, tomorrow when the episode's released, but showing where home the home run rate is this year. And it's actually pretty much right on par with like the mid 2010s. Um, it's just, you can see this huge spike in 2019 and 2020 when they juice the baseballs. So it feels right now like, wow, offense is so low and everything is, is terrible, but it's actually kind of in line with where it's been in other seasons in the past. So I think they've simply gone back to using the type of ball they used to use. And like I said, I think that's fine if that's what they're going to do, but it's, it's hard because pitching has improved so much and, you know, the strikeout rates are so much higher and the spin rates. And I know they cracked down on sticky stuff and that's supposed to kind of move things back in the batter's direction a little bit, but pitching is so much better than it was in the past. And when you deaden the baseballs again, it almost feels like an unfair tilt towards the pitching. So I don't know, I guess if you were asking me and I were in charge, I'd go with the juice balls, but I'm fine with either as long as they just stop screwing around with it and pick one and stay with it so that the stats ought to be, you ought to be able to look across the years and see people's stats and think, oh, okay, well, you can compare apples to apples, but you can't when they're changing the baseball. And it's it's detriment to the game, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I pretty much agree with you because as we've seen basically throughout baseball's history the offense has always adjusted um you know before it was singles and stolen bases and small ball and now obviously there's a huge power surge and launch angle and and all that stuff and you know flashback to 2019 obviously the juice baseballs had an insane impact on offensive output and i do think like some correction was necessary it was probably too much like it, it was turned too high like if you turn um, you know, the TV on and the volume's really high. Like that's kind of how the, the juice baseballs were. It was just like a little too much, but offense is exciting. And just like hitting can adjust, pitching can adjust too. Like that, that is mm-hmm. a real thing. Pitching is very, very dominant right now, but it, it goes back to the, the point you made. It just needs to stay consistent. Whatever ball they use, it, it needs to stay the same. So that way, Pitchers can get used to it and, you know, so on and so forth. Hitting can get used to it because, you know, you you might sit there and think, why do hitters need to get used to the baseball? Well, again, with all the advanced uh, analytics and, you know, breakdowns of swings and launch angle isn't as important as it was, you know, during the rise of launch angle, but it's still very much a factor. Like you look at someone like Juan Soto last year, everyone was talking about how he's just hitting the ball to the ground so much like launch angle can fix that. And, and, you know, Josh Bell was clearly working on that last year and so on and so forth. They need to adjust to what the ball is, right? There is a science behind it now more so than ever. Uh, Speaking of which, and that's officially hired like their kind of first analytics uh, guy today. So, uh, (laughs) I mean, that's kind of a, a separate thing we can get into, but whatever it is, whatever the way forward is, it just needs to remain consistent. And one thing I talked about, I believe it was with uh, Robert Murray when we had him on the show 
it's still insane to me that the MLB can just switch out their balls. Uh, it sounds, uh, it's, it sounds funny, but they can just switch out the baseballs at, at their, you know, discretion. They last it's year, there was scandal in my opinion. And the fact yeah. that not more has not been made of it, like people's people's it's, careers are no made, of, you know, yeah. You've got pitchers who in 2019 had the worst numbers of their careers because they changed the baseballs and you have hitters who, you know, maybe they were in a, a contract year and when they redeadened the balls and, and they had had these, you know, you're screwing with guys' careers. And it's, it's not okay for them to just, and to not admit it, you know, like the, the transparency to say, Hey, we're going to have a pitch clock or we're going to, you know, experiment with robot arms, like fine experiment with your rules, then come out and say, Hey, we're going to try juiced balls. We want more offense. Then why do they get to just do it and deny it and pretend it's not going on? And I don't know, the whole thing to me is very, very sketchy. And they well, just- yeah, it's, I mean, there's so many problems with baseball and uh, I mean, I don't want to dive back into the whole lockout discussions and arguments again, but uh, there was just so much to figure out during this past CB negotiation that they weren't going to get to at all. But this is a huge problem. Like there's no reason. And I can't, there's no proof they're doing it this year, but last year the MLB were, were was sending dead end balls to like a, you know, Royals tigers game. But if it was Yankees, Red Sox on Sunday night, oh, well, all of a sudden they get juiced baseballs. Like there was clearly juiced baseballs during that Field of Dreams game. And don't get me wrong. The Field of Dreams game was awesome. There was like seven or eight home runs hit. It was just, I mean, it it was such a win for baseball. But, you know, that was clearly a different ball than some of the other series. And, you know, the players know, again, this takes me back to my original point. The players notice, like you're not going (laughs) to, if you're, effectively switching out work equipment like if someone switched your you know like your desk <laughs> office chair, chair. yeah when like you got yeah, there right yeah like you're gonna notice and think about that if you're you have something in your hands for a living like you're gonna notice a difference whether it's weight feel thickness i i don't know like they're gonna notice so you're not fooling anyone and the other thing that's maddening is the mlb is like really the only league that has these uh, developmental or sus- subsidiary leagues where they can try out rule changes and different equipment and just like different ideas. If they wanted to experiment with juice baseballs or dead end baseballs or whatever, do that in the, you know, the international yeah, the minors, or not. The, right. Yeah. The, the minors or um, what's the, the one with the, um, uh, the Sugarland Skeeters. Um, I think they changed their name, but. I'm trying to think of that Atlantic uh, independent. Oh, the independent league. league. Yeah. Yeah. Independent um, league or something. I forget what it's called. But yeah, yeah. But anyways, like they, they have all these leagues that they're actively trying out rule changes. Like one of the ones right now that we saw Brady house get uh, dinged on and it was so stupid, but like the bat, the batter pitch clock, which or not, I guess it's not a pitch clock, but you know, it, it's a shot clock on the batter to step in the box. And if you don't step in in time, you're out, which I think is so stupid. Um, but and I believe you guys talked about the, the pitch clock on one of the, the last episodes. But anyways, like they have these leagues where they can try out different equipment if they really wanted to know. And look at the NFL, like the NFL is kind of adopting, uh, you know, these strategies from well, the XFL kind of stopped and or started, stopped, and now starting again. But the USFL, like the the NFL, is adopting different things from these other leagues that are clearly not to the NFL's level, 
but they're adopting the rule changes that are the you know the things that changes. make it more fun and, right yeah. that that work and the MLB can do the same but don't test it out mid-season or like you know it, yeah and whenever don't you test feel it out like at the it. MLB level at all in my opinion like yeah get that the MLB level out. should not be a test no there's so. too much there's too much at stake and honestly it's a, a whole different um rabbit hole that maybe we'll go down on the whole on another episode but when people now with betting legalized in so many places and with mlb yeah, embracing it it's you can't screw around with the equipment when people are putting money on it do you know what i mean like i don't know i think like i said that's a whole different rabbit hole but right. people have the right to expect that you know things are going to remain constant if they're putting money involved if they're putting their money into it and there's the the level of I mean I don't know what the numbers are on sports betting or betting on MLB but I know they're vast and uh, you know if you're gonna do something that affects you know people are if people are this is the same reason that like publicly traded companies have to disclose all right. of their their books like if people are going to invest their money in something they have the right to see you know they have the right to the information and if you're not going to be above board with your information then you know people shouldn't be investing their money there so. Well, I don't think the MLB uh, would be the best place to invest your money because uh, they don't disclose uh, how much revenue they actually earned. Yeah, that's so. True. Uh, but people do. Be... People bet on MLB all the time. So <laughs> no, people I know. are investing their money. That was just a in... shot at the at know, their opaqueness. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh crying poor. God, these. these <laughs> Again, a different rabbit hole. So the, we'll yeah, plenty of rabbit that, holes but... with this conversation. But point being, uh, to me, it doesn't matter. I think. Like, I wish I knew what these baseballs were made of. So I could say, oh, this ball with this material does this. This ball with that material does that. But they won't share that information. But they won't share that information because, you know, if you ask them, the baseballs are the same now as they were in 2001. Like, you know, there's just no telling to what they're doing because there's no admission of not even guilt, like if they wanted to change the baseballs, that's within their right, but just admit it. So we at least know what's going on. Like it's just this dumb chase that doesn't need to happen, but yeah, I'm fine with either one. I would prefer the juice baseballs if I had to choose between Mm -hmm. this and, you know, 2019, but I, I don't think anything was wrong. Well, I don't think anything was wrong with the baseballs before they were juiced. Yeah, the yeah. juice baseballs are fun, but I don't think there was any need. It's not like offense was down. I think you're seeing with the addition of the the DH, like offense will. Well, granted, it has been they so brought far. the. Yeah, I was gonna say they brought the DH in as they did in the baseballs, so that kind of like mitigates the <laughs> the effectiveness of the DH. But like, I, I don't know. I just didn't think they're to see the numbers of you know like before they ever juice the baseballs. If you just go back and like and look at you know, DH numbers. I think it's before, before then and now and see how they compare. It's hard to tell though, because you don't know when the juice baseball started, what games they started and when they stopped and weren't. And if the ones they have brought out now are actually the same as the ones from before they juiced them, or if there's something different, you don't really. It's impossible to get a clean sample (laughs) because that's exactly the point that I was making earlier is that it's impossible to actually compare stats in different seasons and stuff, because of the them continuing to tamper with the baseball it's really and i don't even understand why they're doing it but they need to stop and just like for me i don't really care what you do with the baseballs just pick something and stay with it yeah that being said though i mean you're getting guys throwing harder than they ever have before you're getting 
guys that, you know, pitching's typically ahead of hitting, especially early in the season. Um, so, you know, you're really boosting the effectiveness of pitching right now. Um, so I would prefer juice baseball. So again, so we just know what's going on. Give me juice baseballs, give me sticky stuff and let's call it a day. Yeah. Let's uh, arms race. Let everybody have whatever they want. Yeah. Like <laughs> why not? I, I mean, again, speaking of rabbit holes, like pl- plenty of rabbit holes we can dive down. It just so stupid to me. And I understand. Yes. I lean, I have a heavy pitcher's bias, but like so stupid p- hitters can use pine tar, but pitchers aren't allowed to. Yeah. Like, why do they use pine tar to help them hold out of the bat? So why right, exactly. Pitchers? Yeah, it's exactly. So I mean, if you see hitters advocate for it, like you kind of know, hey, like this thing actually serves the purpose. They don't want to get how many how many hitters I have the Nats Pete Alonso the, wishes that people well, I was going to say, how many hitters stuff? have the Nats pitchers hit in the face this year or in the head? It's a, it's a number uh, that's too like high. a shocking <laughs> amount for 20 games into the season. Like, yeah, the, you know, good. I'm not saying pine tar or sticky stuff is a cure all, but it certainly helps. It like, definitely does. I mean, if it helps, a, you know, <laughs> career average at best, uh, you know, high school, somewhat college pitcher like myself pitch better. I would imagine it helps professional uh, pitchers quite a bit as well if they actually, you know, use it to their advantage and whatnot. But anyways, that's our quick pitch uh basically wasn't very quick but yeah it wasn't very quick but basically just stick to it and let us know what it is like give us an answer and transparency. or don't and just do what you're gonna do and then stop changing it like if you're not gonna tell us fine but yeah just, just i don't know one way or another it's stupid it's like we don't know what we're gonna get year to year and then like you said you know players are judged off this like because their stats are down or whatever Anyways, long pitch segment this episode. All right, let's get into the recap against the Giants series. Like we talked about, the Nationals surprised us all. Mm-hmm. And don't don't be that guy. You were surprised too. You did not expect the Nats to take don't two pretend three. you expect you that. might not have even expected the Nats to take one of three. Like, let's be real. The Joe's typically everyone looks to okay, when's Josiah Gray starting? He is our best chance, right? That that typically seems to be the line of thinking. If the Nats are going to win one, it's probably going to be Josiah Gray start. The Nats have won like eight games this year. Three of them have been Josiah Gray starts. So that's the line of thinking. But he was going up against Logan Webb. So you're like, oh, well, shit. <laughs> that, yeah, I mean, might not be the one. Like at yeah. best, it's a wash there. I mean, Logan Webb, I love Josiah Gray, but Logan Webb was damn good this year. And here come the freaking Nats. Went in two of three, like th- yeah, that well, was in convincing fashion, too. Of the two yeah. that they did win, yeah, yeah. So, uh, game one, I mean, tone setter, don't get me wrong, uh, but it was, I mean, it was Alex Wood, so like, I don't know, Alex Wood is crafty, and his Alex Wood, if you're not really familiar with you know the type of Alex, uh, pitcher he is, he works very quick, he's a lefty. And he's crafty. The Giants use him very effectively. They don't let him go past the second time through the order. So it's like if you're going to get to him, you got to get to him quick. And the Giants have a pretty decent bullpen. So it it still lines up to be a tough game, even though, you know, at most Alex Wood is going like five innings. 
It, it sounds so backwards, but like that's what it is. And so to set the tone properly in without an off day, mind you, because they had an early game Thursday, but they were playing Friday night. You know, they had to get to him early and they did again, tone setter. And you had uh, Aaron Sanchez getting kind of a redemption start. He made his first start for the Nats at home against the Giants, who he was with last year until they released him. It was an okay start, but not great. So he was getting redemption back in San Francisco. Again, second shot against the team that just released him last year. And he was solid. Like, again, not great. Yeah, he was okay. <laughs> if you're comparing him to <laughs> Josh Rogers and, um, you know, some of the other options, Eric Fetty, like, you know, he is in that he was, conversation. Yeah, he was fine. He's probably leading that conversation, which the bar is the floor. But, right. you know, right. he's leading that conversation to be like, okay, if I'm having to choose, like, let's say out of those three, I have to choose two of them. Well, Aaron Sanchez is automatically in, in my mind, and I'm debating between Rodgers and Fetty. Like, that's how I'm viewing it. I, I think Sanchez has done enough to, like, earn a couple starts. Like, his big thing has been health. He's dealt with, like, finger and blister injuries for so long, and yeah, it was like back in 2014, but he won an ERA title. So, like, you know what the ceiling kind of looks like. Granted, it was eight years ago at this point, but you know what the ceiling looks like. It's just a matter of can he stay healthy. And, it, like, I understand finger no, injuries contribute yeah. to health and blisters are, are a really big deal. But it's, like, it's not like it's a nagging elbow injury or, like, recovery from Tommy John or whatever. It's, like, can we get the just the fingers? It's just it, – it's very important. Obviously, you're a pitcher. you got to hold on to the ball. But, you know – I, I just, or maybe it's kind of a backwards way of looking at it, but I just don't view that as injury prone. I'm just hoping, like maybe after a few years, the the blister problems have subsided. I just feel like but... he's not young anymore. You know, uh, he's no. been in the league a while, and I don't know. Like he was fine. You know, you don't expect a lot from the guy. He went five innings. He gave up six hits and three earned runs. The big thing, um, though, no walks no walks and four strikeouts so there was some good in the start it, it was fine i the story of this game was the offense obviously i mean the bullpen was really good again i mean the only run the bullpen gave up was sam clay and he's back in triple a now we haven't gotten to that yet um he was sent down early it was today or yesterday i think it was earlier today they had to shrink the rosters but you know the offense was the big story for this game um this one was fun for the offense Let's just go down the box score here for hits. Hernandez, Cesar Hernandez, three hits. Soto with two. Cruz with a big goose egg. Four for Bell, four for Franco, zero for Ruiz, two for Lane Thomas, four for Victor Robles. Who we will talk about in a little who bit. Who we will talk about. And three for LCD's Escobar. It was a hit parade, 22 hits in the game, um, 14 runs. It was definitely a lot of fun. But I will say they left 22 men on base. So did they really? Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. They left. Yeah. I mean, they had 22 hits and what, like 14 runs. Yeah. But like, holy crap. Yeah. Um, they had to shoot a lot of walks. I'm going to say the, the walks from, uh, from their hitters or from their pitchers. I'm trying to see here. They gave up. It wasn't as many as you think. No, it was all on hits. I was thinking, did they walk a lot of guys? No, but... I mean, it was a hit parade. Like there's, it, when you have 22 hits, there's not going to be a lot of room for, for walks as well um so um but i mean obviously tone setter right like you you 
blow them out. Like it was not really close. I think the second batter of the game, Soto homered off wood and would kind of try to quick pitch him too. That's another thing. Was that with- that little excuse me hit that he yes. was asking for time? That's a fun clip. If y'all haven't found that online and watched it, it's hilarious. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously that wasn't the home run, but <laughs> no. yeah, that, that was uh, the same at bat. Um, so tone setting performance from the Nats really, you know, needed it after eight straight losses and then game two, you kind of see, I think what this team is like, they, they can hang for a while, but at some point, if that, that bad inning hits, it's just like the wheels fall off. And this team is not good enough, not complete enough to rally back within the same game. Like if they start hot, they can finish hot, but they have to, you know, be able to avoid that big inning. And in game two, that big inning was what the the fifth when you had like Rosmo Ramirez and mm-hmm. Kyle Finnegan, like they were just, and I think Andres Machado, like they just were not effective and that was a bad game for the bullpen yeah was it no no i was thinking of uh perez who just like could not throw a strike to save his life um uh but you know game two it was like okay this is kind of what this team is they can hang but it's that the one beginning that we're kind of accustomed to as as nats fans but that was the yoana don start who's probably worth mentioning at this point it's been what five starts from him Mm -hmm. i think i think he said the decision in every start and this one wasn't particularly great either you would expect a little bit more coming off you know the big performance last night you would hope that would carry over into a don start even though he wasn't you know actively a part of that thwomping the um you know night before but four innings four runs four hits three walks five strikeouts like again not bad but he's not He's not quite doing enough. Like, I mean, it's if, bad. If you're only going four innings and you're giving up four runs, like that's not good. Yeah, no, no, like bad overall, yes. But I think what I'm speaking of is if he was, if this was like last year and Adon was our fifth starter, yeah, we would be talking about how bad he is. But he kind of gets lost in the conversation because we've had the Corbin blowups and we're tired of Eric Fetty. And Josh Rogers is like, we're celebrating when he can go five innings. And now we're talking about Aaron. So it just feels like Adon has kind of got lost in the shuffle. We're so just, beaten down that we're Right, just right. That's that's that, what yeah, I mean by so not bad. <laughs> yeah, that's what I mean by not bad. It's like we've seen worse. Like this year, like maybe yeah. like a week ago, we have seen much worse. Yeah. So like this isn't, you know, as bad as it can get. But yeah, it's not good. The question is like, what's the best way forward from like, do you leave him up? Because to me, I think you send him down and I know that means I know he's not throwing right now, but I know it could mean someone like an Anbal Sanchez or whatever, but I, I just don't think Adon is ready. I was willing to give him a shot and I was honestly happy. He made the team out of camp. Like I was really happy to see him give it, you know, see them give him a shot. But I think, you know, he, he he's raw right now and the stuff is there, but he needs time to work on it. And I don't want to see him, you know, go down this path of just consistently struggling at the major leagues. And then they inevitably give up on him because they weren't really developing him. They were expecting too much from him. But I wanted to get your thoughts on that. That's an interesting one, because in this season, you know, we've talked a lot about 
just let the young guys play and let's see what right. they've got because you know he can go down there and they can work with him he can go down to AAA, they can work with him and let him pitch every fifth day but you know why not just let him do that here if the team is going to recognize that what you're doing is taking a guy who ought to be at AAA and letting him pitch at the major league level if what they're going to do is judge him based on well, we don't, you know, we're going to give up on this guy because he can't do it at the major league level, then that's a problem. But if they can recognize it for what it is and say, instead of having Anibal Sanchez or somebody, you know, like that come up here and, and pitch for us when, you know, you don't need to develop Anibal Sanchez. He's not part of your future. I would, I think I'd rather see him stay. I feel the same way about Luis Garcia. Is he ready? Maybe not a completely, but you know, it's not worse than what we're putting out there every day in the major leagues anyway. And he can develop against major league hitting, you know, major league pitching, you know, develop his defense with major league hitters and develop his, his offense against major league pitching. I just, I'd rather see them let the young guys play. I really would. I, yeah. as long as they know what they're doing and they understand that you're, you're going to see a guy get hit around when you let him come up when he's not ready, as long as they're okay with that, then I'm okay with it. So I, I think letting the young guys play comes to a certain extent. I'm not calling up a young guy just because it's like, hey, throw shit at a wall, see what sticks. Like, that's not a way to develop players. Luis Garcia, though, is, you know, proven to be ready, at least offensively. And you, Mm -hmm. if someone's ready offensively, you can live with what comes with that. Like, if, you know, Ioana Don was uh, Hunter Green, right? And throwing 103. You're like, okay, you know, 103 plays at any level. Let's see, you know, we'll, we'll, live, said, yeah. we'll live with like home runs given up or walk, like whatever. I don't think you want a Don's ready. And you have to keep in mind, he effectively has no AAA experience. He pitched one game in AAA in four innings. That's the only AAA experience he has. So he effectively came up from AA. Yeah. And even in AA, like it, it wasn't great. Like I'm looking at stats right now. He had a six, four, three ERA in double a in 14 innings. Like he came he up. He only pitched very, 14 innings in double a. Yeah. He came up very, very quick. And that goes to my point about that. Yeah. Yeah. That goes to my point about like, I don't think he's ready. He came up so quick. Like, and now he's just pitching at the major league level and getting hit around. Like that's not any way to develop guys. Like letting the young guys play means, like, you know, what Josiah Gray went through last year, like he had like a five ERA and was giving up home runs. But, you know, you could tell that that was important for his development because he had good seasoning in the minor leagues. You want to Don, like, I'm not, I'm not even saying he, he's going to be bad, but like, he, he's just not ready. He, he has no real minor league experience against competition. Like he almost made the jump directly from single A to <laughs> to the majors yeah you're talking like, about 18 innings from single a to major leagues that's pretty nuts yeah yeah i can so, see your point with him specifically um he's only do 23 you any, do you give any credence to the argument that if you have a spot for him on your roster that he could develop more at the major league level because the coaching and the you know the whole system here I is th- better or because we're not it's not really made for development that they're better a kid is better off or a young guy's better off down i, I think like so i'm a high school coach i think that argument applies to hey like let's bring this kid up to varsity because being used to the big club is going to do him good that argument doesn't apply 
as much. It still applies, but it doesn't apply as much at the major league level. Like you can assemble your organizations and your minor league organizations to cater to your players. Like if you want your triple A, oh, we don't care about wins, but we want them to be focused on development and stuff like that. Like you can control what your, you know, staff does and what your minor league teams do. Like you're not going to put someone in charge of your triple A team that you don't trust to develop your guys. Right. So I, I, I don't put as much into it. I mean, it's definitely still important, but again, like you're putting so much um, emphasis, or at least you should be on how your players are developed, like, especially in during a rebuild that sending them down to AAA shouldn't be a concern as to whether or not they're going to get, you know, the proper training or experience or, or not maybe not experience but like work and training and stuff like that so i, I would just send him down. i don't think he's ready he has a negative five war already this season yeah, like it, rough. He, he's rough. not ready and, and that's no shot against him he is 23 years old like there's there's nothing wrong with not being ready at 23 years old if he was 29 okay different story yeah, then you got to see what you got. Either he's ready or he's right. not going to ever like be Eric Fe- Eric Fetty, we need to see, right? And it hasn't been particularly good, but we, it, for better or for worse, we need to see it. You want it done? No. Like, let's let's give him time. Let him, you know, pitch in AAA for an extended amount of time. Make like 10 AAA starts. And then if he pitches to like a four ERA or whatever, okay, that's at least better than what we're seeing now and maybe he's learned a thing or two they can bring back up but he's not ready right now but on the flip side like who replaces him which that is a very valid argument as well so it's just this this awkward spot but i i don't want to risk a potential like solid player and his development just because we don't have anyone else to replace him like that that's no way forward in my mind yeah, well, that's an excellent point. I guess we'll see what they decide to do. Um, you know, it's not like they've got any starting pitching depth to speak of. No. So no, I, I wouldn't don't. be surprised either way if they send him down or if they decide to just let him let him go and see what happens. But yeah, you know, it was a, it was an okay start. It was it was not good. Right. Four innings is just at this point. I know we're still early in the season, but four innings is just not enough. It's a bad break, like especially, especially when you're relying on Erasmo Ramirez and Francisco Perez and Andres Machado right. to like get you and the Josh the Rogers, who is, you know, starting with his new role out of the bullpen, which he can, which I don't mind. I don't mind. I'll be honest. I don't and mind it. After today, um, when they um, sent Sam Clay and Francisco Perez down to AAA, when they trimmed the rosters, that leaves Rogers as the only, the only lefty, lefty in the bullpen. <laughs> So it's a very interesting thing. You would think he would be a, a great candidate for a long relief, given that he's spent his whole career as a starter and he's stretched out as a starter right now. But, you know, you're going to have to use him in, in, you know, lefty specialist situations because that's all you got. And I have no idea. I haven't heard any updates on Doolittle. I don't know when they're expecting him back. I also haven't heard any updates on um, Clippard. I have no idea whether he's even going to make it into, you know, they haven't brought him up which in the people they have brought up ahead of him, it's very telling. So something's going on with Clippard. Yeah. I, I don't know. Like that may never happen. And right. That's kind of the, it wouldn't be, to get. it wouldn't be the most surprising. It wouldn't break but, my heart. <laughs> yeah. But back to game two, like 
you know, it still was a better offensive output than we've seen in, you know, the previous eight games prior to the giant series. Like they, they had 11 hits. Yeah. So it like tells you they weren't, they weren't stringing them together. Right. <laughs> a lot of missed hits. opportunities, 11 left on base, eight strikeouts. So like, you know, some of it was just a case of needing to put the bat on ball and whatnot, but then you get to the rubber match on Sunday. And again, it was, Josiah Gray. Oh no, it wasn't Logan Webb. I I mixed it. I was thinking about the last, um, the last Cobb. time. Yeah, it was Cobb, uh, and Cobb <laughs> got got roughed up in the first inning. I mean, five runs, only one of them earned. But you know, we don't feel sorry for him. Like the Nats did their job. They needed to get to him early. And Josiah Gray has been great. The walks are a little concerning. But listen, if you're going to walk four, the best way to be okay with walking four is only giving up one hit. Yeah. Like, and he went six innings. Right. So I will take on this five base runners, regardless if it means going six shutout. Like whether it's five hits and no walks or five walks and no hits, I will take it. As if you're mm-hmm. only giving up five base runners in six innings, that's fine. Walk is Walk all of them. <laughs> I don't care. Like, you know, this was sorely needed. Like, the bullpen needed some rest. And the bullpen was not great. We saw Victor Arano have the blow-up inning. I attribute that to overuse. Davey is driving him to the ground. Like, the, yep. Finnegan we've seen this before. We, we, we've, we've, seen the, we've seen this before. And Victor Arano has always had the stuff. He has struggled to stay healthy. Like, that's been his M.O. Like when he's healthy, he's great, but he's very rarely healthy. So it makes no sense to have him like, I think it was top five in relief appearances in baseball, you know, at, at that time, like Davies just driving him to it into the ground. And we saw him blow up the game, you know, got really close four. there in, in the seventh, but then the Nats added insurance one insurance runs there in the eighth, 12 more hits <laughs> on uh, Sunday and a lot 20, of offense this weekend. 20 runners left on base. So it could have been way more offense, actually. But bats came alive. Yadiel Hernandez had the big game on Sunday. Uh, he hit. Am I wrong? He had. No, he, the, he didn't hit. Yadiel Hernandez had three hits. Was it a base is clearing double, if I'm not mistaken? Yeah, that was. Yeah, I'm just checking out the box score here. I didn't get to see all of that game. Yeah. Well, but anyways, he went three for four, five RBIs, two runs. Like he had a game, and that that's also someone we kind of need to talk about. Yadi Hernandez, and it, this is floating around on Twitter as well. If he keeps this up, he might have some trade value. He might. He's. I mean, I know batting averages and everything, but he's got a three forty. <laughs> right. Like you, you probably need to see the actual power numbers get up there. Yeah. Um, but like an eight seventy seven OPS. You know, that that's that's pretty solid, especially for a left if a team needs a left-handed bench bat. And granted, he has years of control, even though he's 34. Sounds kind of backwards, but it's true. It's true. My this he's not in this team's future. Again, he's 34. So like he could net you something. Who knows? Certainly better than some of the other pieces we thought might be for trade. Hey, don't look at the box score. Pop quiz. Who has the worst? batting average on the team i mean it, it's lucius fox yes that is Lu- who says the second worst uh, it's nelson cruz 
Yeah, you were. I was. I would have said Lane Thomas right off the bat, but now that I think about it, I, it is Nelson Cruz. I'm no, Nelson Cruz has been horrible. Please, you think you know me being as good of a friend with Ryan as I am, he's gonna let me, you know, Forget not let that me Nelson know. Cruz has been atrocious. Right. Exactly. So yeah, it would it be funny if Yadiel Hernandez is the trade piece we thought Nelson Cruz was gonna be. Right. Exactly. Uh, Cruz has been terrible. Uh, and hence, like, we, we Soto, can, yeah, nobody is afraid to pitch to nobody is, uh, you know, nobody's going to pitch anything to Soto when Cruz is hitting behind him. They've got to do something. It was encouraging to see Soto get back in the home run column. He drove in his first run that wasn't himself this, this series. Uh, he went three for five on uh, Sunday. I, th- I think he was hitless Saturday, but he, had, like, I think he had another three hits on Friday. So he had a good series yeah. as well. He did have to see him better. But but wouldn't you put uh, Bell up? I would put Bell behind. I, I would. I would. Um, and I know they tried it and they only tried it for like a game or two. Um, and Bell like went hitless. Of course, that one, like the one of the few games he's gone well, hitless right, or on base. Soto deserves better than to have a guy with a 148 batting average hitting behind. Yeah, nobody, nobody's afraid of Nelson Cruz right now. Right. And, it, you know, you're talking about the best hitter in baseball. You don't stick a guy hitting 148 behind the best hitter in baseball. I mean, what the actual hell? Yeah. Um, so I, I would flip that, but you know, credit where credit is due. I, I'm not like, uh, this is no, this nice is no, right no, 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 no. This is no <laughs> admission. I do not regret my victory laps because they were earned. Damn it. Oh, we're talking about world. That being said, Victor Robles <laughs> has put together a nice string of games. And I've always said, if he can be a, you know, 250 hitter and have like With around plus defense, a seven, yeah. you know, 760 is average now for OPS. We mentioned that early. If he can have like a 720 OPS, I can live with that. He, his OPS is still low. It's only at a 662, but his average is at 259. He's had a couple of multi-hit games in series. Listen, I, I'm I'm not asking the world of him, okay? Nope. Like, I'm just asking for, you know, replacement level. I will or take. Just... I will take like offensive mediocrity. Right. That's, That's all, all I'm asking for. The bar is the floor. <laughs> right now, but, seriously, I mean, joking aside, mediocrity yeah. is average, right? I would take offensively average from him, right. given his defensive yeah. prowess. I really would. It's just he's never been able to even deliver mediocrity. So if right. you can do that, then, you know, it's kind of a game changer. Honestly, I would love to see it. I know we've, we've all dunked on Robles quite a bit on this podcast at this point, but I would love to see him succeed. Yeah. But seven for, oh no, it wasn't seven for 11. I'm looking. He was six for eight looking. going into the last game. What did he, it, it, I'm looking at it right now. I was just looking at his two last hits on Marlins four, game so two for four. It, it was eight for uh, eight for 12 that he was uh, during the giant series. I mean, if you want to go back to the last game in Miami, six, he was one for three, six sixty seven batting average. Yeah. So, I mean, he's had a nice string of games and you know, the crazy thing about this is we're effectively talking about like a three or four game sample size and we're like celebrating Victor Robles hey, masterclass. Hey, don't you judge us. We got to take what we can get. I mean, I'm not going to forget from April 7th to April 16th, how he did not have a hit. And he started pretty much every game. I like, am. The, I'm I, I am not going to be quickly. I'm not going to quickly forget that. So 
listen, credit where credit is, credit is due, but I, I, listen, I see through this Victor Robles charade. Oh, but is that is a charade like a facade and a charade put together? Shut up. Um, <laughs> but anyways, Victor Robles was a large part of the offensive output this weekend. Uh, quick math: twenty three plus twenty two is forty five hits on the weekend. Holy crap! The Nats had forty five hits in a three game series. I know it's crazy. Even in the game they lost, as you mentioned, they had quite a lot of hits. They just didn't really Jeez. string them together and, and make anything happen. With and, it. But and yeah, they it was left, a hell of an offensive series. So they had 45 hits in a three-game series. They left 53 runners on base. Insanity. That's it. That is insane. Hey, and you know what we said at the beginning of the season is at least make it fun to watch. Like they're going to be awful. This was fun. At least have, this was fun. This was a this fun was series. Fun. Yeah. Um, so if the offense can do this, we'll be okay. Like, and not that it will be okay. Like, Oh, we'll be a playoff. No, we'll be okay. As in, I won't want to gouge my eyes out while watching the product on field. That's what I mean by. Okay. Hey, do you want to hear a fun stat? Always. So going into the last game of the series here, the uh, Victor Robles and Juan Soto came in with the same 241 average. And they came out of the game with Soto hitting 262 and Robles hitting 259. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I know. We I don't know why of, that strikes me as hilarious. We've yeah. talked about the, the Soto thing a little bit. I'm not concerned by it at all. I'm not either. And his power numbers obviously are vastly better, but it's just funny to see them going into, I remember reading an article, I think it was Mark Zuckerman from Mass and, you know, the Mass and Sports page in, um, that he had mentioned going into game three that they had the exact same batting average coming in. Yeah. Yeah. So that was, that was, was that was a fun series. series. Way more fun than the two preceding series. And, but it also bodes well heading to their next opponent. They are going to the mile high city and playing the Rockies in cores. And obviously everyone knows about the cores effect. Mm -hmm. If the offense can continue, you can hit 40, 45 hits at cores. (laughs) <laughs> right like 45 hits at course might be like 55 hits at course like right. you know if this offense can continue to stay hot stay rolling like you know maybe we're looking at back-to-back series wins i don't know like the rockies have gotten off to a good start they're 13 and 9 nice but they're not start. a good team like this is yeah. kind of just an early season uh charade that we're seeing that we're seeing from the Rockies we saw with the Orioles like last year and you know there's always teams that get up to hot starts that you know are way over overperforming from the mean but game one will look at you night. Mets just kidding I know they're good I just um, <laughs> game one tomorrow night or tonight if you're listening on release day Eric Fetty versus Jamon Herman Jamon Marquez Herman uh, I think Herman Marquez uh they both have eras around six so that should be battle of the titans (laughs) yeah exactly um (laughs) speaking of titans we have patrick Gorbin going on game two with his eight six nine era he's going against Mm -hmm. uh is it austin gomber yeah gomber gomber i don't know um that is a battle of the lefties on Wednesday night. And then Thursday night is Aaron Sanchez versus Antonio Sanzatella, uh, who's pretty good as well. So potential for the bats to be flying. They just might be the Rockies bats flying instead of the Nats, but hopefully the Nats can continue 
uh, with their, you know, hot streak offensively, but what are your expectations for this series? Um, you know, I, I will say that I'm a little bit more confidence, the wrong word, but hopeful, I guess, going into the series than I was going to the giant series. They had just been swept by the giants. Um, I think they, I, I don't, I hesitate to predict another series win. Um, but I could, I see them at least taking one and I don't think taking two, like you said, the, the Rockies aren't impressive. Um, I could see it happening. I could see them taking two out of three, but I would say at least one out of three. Yeah, definitely one. Um, I'll, uh, God, you're going to go ahead and do it. You're going to go ahead and predict the series win. No, 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 no. God, no, I know better. Um, <laughs> I'm just trying to decide which one. I, oh, I'll say game? they take game. I'll take. I'll say they take game one. I'll say I they think. take game not not game two. Whatever other. Yeah. <laughs> well, that was my thing. I was like, I don't think they take take game three. Like Sensatella has just found a way to be effective enough at cores to not like play into you know the cores effect if you believe in that. Um, so it has to be one or two. Gomber's pretty good as well, and obviously, like you said, you had Corbin. Corbin's so not. that 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 just defaults to Fetty and. It might just be one of those Fetty starts where he goes five, gives up two, and, you know, that's good enough. Or goes four, gives up If they can continue the whatever. offensive production over from the last series, then, you know, if he can go five and give up two, that ought to be enough. Right. Um, so we shall see what goes on there. Rockies have some hitters. They've had some guys that have gotten off to good starts. So keep the ball down. <laughs> keep the ball down. Or, or Actually, no, screw it let the ball fly i don't care at least it'll just, be fun as yeah, we've discussed results don't matter let's just have yeah. fun boys <laughs> they don't but the nats uh <laughs> eight and 16 uh that, i mean it's just funny seeing them eight and 16 or just like it's not i guess it would be what a 0.33 win percentage like that's just when you have double the losses as wins like it's just funny to me in, in like a self-deprecating funny sense of humor soul deadening painful way right right but in 16 in the basement in the NL East, um it's early but i might as well get comfy but we are not the reds the reds are three and 19 so you know it could always be worse but <laughs> it could always be worse that's a healthy thing to remember yeah exactly <laughs> but we shall see how this series unfolds we will be back on thursday friday something like that probably friday uh you know i i set off the the top that i forgot to publish well i didn't forget i was just not made aware of or reminded of the second episode but Uh, that's if you weren't reminded and then didn't know that means forgot just so we're clear well i didn't know and then Nobody said anything for three days until I finally sat down and checked my email. But anyways, uh, if you're wondering what the release schedule is like, basically we're going to plan it around off days or travel days. So we're going to try to let let series completely unfold. So we're not kind of talking about two games out of a three or four game set before we preview the next one and all that stuff. So it is going to be a little inconsistent, but we are going to consistently consistently do two episodes a week. This one's obviously coming out on Tuesday because we had an off day on Monday. 
if we were playing on Monday, we would have recorded Sunday night for Monday morning release. So you kind of just look at the NAT schedule and you kind of get a peek and insight into our release schedule, but it will be two episodes a week, probably Tuesday, Friday, sometimes Monday, Thursday, just kind of depends how the schedule unfolds. Um, But this week they play an early game in Colorado. That's a three o'clock start. And then they head to Anaheim on Friday. So we will record Thursday night for a Friday release for our second episode and angels preview which will be a fun series because we get to see show Otani, mike trout anthony rendon and a fun exciting angels team and some reunions for uh nats i was gonna say they don't have i guess it's just rendon now but anyways oh no Syndergaard. if you want to do an nle's reunion but anyways that is our schedule but before we wrap we're gonna you know, and the episodes the way we always do with our one big thing. Amanda, do you got anything before we head out? I do. One Mr. Robinson Cano was DFA'd today by the Mets, which just first a of cool, all, quick like, 39 million. $39 million. And they just ate now for my first thought was, oh, can you imagine if they did that with Patrick Corbin? But that's cool. I'm not gonna go there. Um, but I just couldn't believe it. I I mean Cano has been awful. Obviously, he, he signed with the Mets. It was a really huge, big contract. Um, he spent the entire season suspended for PEDs again last year. Um, he's obviously, he's a cheater. And uh, I really actually respect the hell out of Cohen for just cutting bait. Um, 41 at-bats he had so far this season is all he got. And he was hitting 195 with a 501 OPS. And of course, you know, taking up a spot on their roster and they had to shrink rosters like everybody else. And they went ahead and just did it. I, I couldn't believe it. And uh, I still kind of can't. I wonder if another team is going to going to try to pick him up. He's see 41, 39, 39, right? 40. Yeah, Somewhere 39, in that range. I think 39. Um, I did read that if somebody else picks him up, they only have to pick up seven hundred thousand dollars. The league minimum of his contract. He feels like a Dodger sooner rather than later. Yeah, I, I think somebody probably will pick him up, although I think they shouldn't. I, I think his, his the right end of his career after all the cheating would be to just get unceremoniously DFA'd and, and left to to sit. But we'll see what happens. But I just thought it was definitely um, remarkable that a team, you don't see a team do that. That was a very, very Mets thing to do, or at least the Mets under Steve Cohen, the Wilpons would never. <laughs> He would have been hitting third yeah. forever for the rest of his contract if the Wilpons still on the team. So anyway, um, I respect Steve Cohen's decision. I, I think it's great. Yeah. I mean, I said it earlier and Ryan kind of laughed at me and I don't remember what you said, but I, I think this Mets team is solid and you're kind of seeing that play out over a larger sample size and not just the opening series, but I hate it. Uh, yeah, I, I think they're solid. Like, you know, they just added so much depth. And they might not have like the superstar power as some of these other teams do, but that also means they're not top heavy as some of these other teams are. Um, I'm not calling world series or, you know, best team in baseball or anything like that. Uh, I I think they are going to regress a little bit towards the mean, not a ton, but a little bit over the course of the season. That's what the baseball season does to these teams. But I, I do think they're solid. Like this is, this is a playoff caliber team. Like if they don't make the playoffs, it's because they are truly still and forever will be the LOL Mets. Um, but yeah, I, if I this think, isn't the year, <laughs> yeah, like you're just you're just not going to have a year. Like that's what it comes down to. 
So I so badly yeah. want them to shit the bed and end up like not even winning the NL East. Like, make if they don't make the playoffs, I'll laugh till I actually die. What are your thoughts on the Braves, though? Like, do you? That's, like, they're an interesting what, what's, case. Yeah, what's your thought process on the Braves? I think it's the Mets like are games the Mets, right now. Yeah, but I think the Mets are are performing better than they really are, and I think the Braves are performing worse than they really are. I think you're going to see that regression to the mean for both of them. Although the mean for the Braves is going to be better than they've been playing. Um, but yeah, I, I'm not really worried about the Braves. I still think the Braves are going to win the division. Um, you know, and maybe another 30 game or another 20 or 30 games down the road, I'll change my mind on that. But I just think, you know, they've got so much talent on that team that they can't continue to underperform the way they have. And uh, the Mets just always seem to find a way to, to, you know, play themselves somehow. So maybe I'm, maybe this year will be the year that that doesn't happen, that the Braves struggle a little bit. You know, it's hard to keep winning your division year after year. It's, it's a very difficult thing to keep doing. So we'll see. And, and as we know, as Nats fans, the regression after a world series thing is a real thing. So maybe that'll be the case, but I, I do think the Mets are, are going to be good all season. I don't know that they're going, they're clearly better than the Braves right now, but I don't know that they're better than the Braves over 162. Yeah. Like the Braves, Ronald Cunha just came back. He's still easing his way in. Yeah. He's um, not himself yet, but he's coming back. They lost uh, Eddie Rosario, which I know Ryan mentioned it during his weekend review, but he, he didn't go to the full story. Uh, Eddie Rosario, like his eye was swelling. Um, so he had to have like emergency LASIK or something like that. Uh, he has, he's had an abysmal start of the season. Ryan's just like, oh, he's a member of the negative one war club. Well, mm-hmm. I think anyone would be if you cannot see. Yeah. <laughs> like, it, it, was, it was kind a of big a big thing when you're a professional athlete. Right. Um, so that was <laughs> that was something. Uh, but anyways, I, I do think the Braves will be fine over the long term again. You know, the 162 game season, while it's like long and probably too long, it does show you who's built to last. And that's why you see like teams, you know, who are just kind of middle of the pack really make runs at the end and teams that are front runners are die off towards the end because the 162 games uh, are not for the grind. Yeah, right. Uh, What's your one big thing? My one big thing is I want to talk about uh, Jose Ramirez. And I don't think we went into too much detail about the uh, contract extension he signed with the Guardians. Um, but t- today he came out and said that he lost <laughs> he lost money by staying with the Guardians, which is true. Like I mean, he, he signed a very he had a very team friendly deal. He signed another team friendly deal, and Ryan said it's a very tradable contract, and it, it is. But I do think he wants to stay in Cleveland for whatever reason. Maybe it's a little, okay. little bit of Stockholm syndrome. I don't know. But you know, I, I, I just. I'm so jealous. I see what you've done for other people, and I want. Yeah, that for ba- me. basically, <laughs> like, and I'm not saying Juan Soto needs to take a team friendly discount, but. And, I want to start to want to stay uh, here. <laughs> but I, I'm not even like saying. I wasn't even trying to attribute this to Juan Soto necessarily. That's just kind of where my mind went as I'm like talking out loud, but it's just nice to see 
the Guardians of all teams, who like prior to this deal, like I mean, I guess this deal doesn't even count. Like their largest free agents free agency contract of all time is like three years, sixty six million, or four years, sixty six. I know it's sixty six really? million. I didn't know that. Yeah, and it was given to I think Edwin Encarnacion. Like, <laughs> you know, this team does not spend money, so it was good to see them, you know, pay up and extend their star rather than just try to flip him and all this stuff. Like, this is a much larger conversation, but it does all on the flip side. It's also good to see like Jose Ramirez just be like, yeah, I just want to stay in Cleveland. Like, there's nothing wrong with that. It's you know, very difficult to win a world series. Even if you go join the Dodgers, you're not guaranteed to do shit. So it's, you know, if you're happy where you are, like just sign the extension. So Juan Soto sign the extension. Like that's kind of what I'm talking about, but anyways, yeah, it was just like, just kind of refreshing to hear him talk about, you know, yeah, I lost money, but I wanted to stay in Cleveland. Right. Okay. I just want that for that, a player that's, here. So that much. is fine. Like, there's nothing wrong with And I'm not saying, like, people were, you know, mad at him. I'm just saying, like, that's a, just a refreshing honesty to hear. Like, yeah, I took less money to stay. Okay. I'm happy here. It's about so the it's club, worth. but sometimes it's about the family. Like, your family settled there and your kids are in school. And, you right. know, you don't want to uproot them and make them, you know, move around. And, you know, a lot of times what happens when you see a guy who's been with one club for a long time and then he, he decides to go out in free agency and he winds up somewhere for two years and then another place for a year and then another place for three years. And so you're, you're kind of opening yourself up to a situation where you're going to, you know, take your family and your kids and, and uproot them into not just a, one new place, but potentially a completely uncertain next, however many years you're still in baseball. And it's, it's not that surprising a decision that some guys decide they just don't want to do that. Right. So just, was cool to hear him talk about it a little bit more and it's still early in the season it's early after the contract it's not like he's saying this three years down the road it was just like yeah i admit it like i might well outperform this contract and i i think john Heyman was the one who said yeah he probably lost out on a hundred million dollars which that's a hard thing to leave (laughs) on the table yeah yeah like a much better man than than i am but uh i'd be like was, you'll make new just, friends kids yeah be fun. it was just cool to hear him talk about it so i respect jose ramirez and if you don't know the name get used to it because he is one of the best players in baseball so i know trey will appreciate me saying that yes all right that does it for this episode speaking of trey be sure to check out the youtube channel and a cool thing that trey is doing and we need to be promoting more mainly me needs to be promoting more is his live watch alongs on YouTube. So basically he just goes live on YouTube. You're going to watch Nats games together. He'll like, he'll respond to comments. Uh, we're going to get some of the other half street high heat team in there to engage. And it's kind of just like, uh, I'm not trying to say we're as entertaining as like Peyton Manning and Eli Manning were, but like think of Manning cast where we're all just like watching the game together and just kind of like talking about what's going on, breaking down, everything as it's happening that's what trey's been doing over on youtube so it's really fun again we'll we'll do a better job at marketing it so you guys know when it's happening but he's been doing that pretty regularly like i think he's got two under his belt so far um so you know that's a cool thing to um you know be a part of and check out over at youtube so be sure to check out youtube uh half street high heat on youtube i should say and 
hit that bell so you subscribe to all of Trey's videos and the great work he's doing over there. Check out the Patreon, uh, all great stuff. The Half Street Fantasy Hour, uh, Pitch Perfect, the Amateur Update, and the Pickoff, all putting out great stuff every week. Check out the website at halfstreethighheat.com. Monty's been killing it. The writing crew has been killing it. Um, even though the Nets have, I guess, prior to this weekend, not, not been, been great. <laughs> yeah, but you know the, the writing team has still been killing it, and they're talking about you know all kinds of great baseball stuff, not just Nats related. But we still do you know get you your Nats fix without being so doom and gloom all the time, as you know we tend to be when we see the product on field from <laughs> from some of our from some of our games. But anyways, what else do I need to plug? It's been a minute. I'm out of breath. Um, I think just Twitter handles. Twitter handles. Uh, be sure to follow the show at Half Street High Heat on Twitter. You can follow Amanda at A White seven eight seven seven and myself at the Coach and Moose. We will be back on Friday. I need to get used to that again. That's that's a. I need to. I'm gonna pre-record a commercial and just there put it go. in the middle of our show because that that is a lot. We got a lot of shit going on. All right. I do indeed. That does it for this episode. Best of luck to the Nats as they take on the Rockies in course. Hopefully the bats stay alive and we get some runs on the board early. So we aren't fully reliant on Eric Fetty and Patrick Corbin uh, to, you know, drastically overperform. All right. That does it for today's episode. Thank you guys for listening. We will be back on Friday. And in the meantime, let's go Nats. There's a new breeze blowing off the banks of the Potomac. A new team is mowing down the ranks of their opponents. The Nationals are smashing balls so that the commentator who has the calls has passed the wall to see you later. By the early light of dawn, well you can see they're running scared Cause the kinds of bombs we're launching are bursting in the air Tell the Library of Congress that they might not want to look Cause we're putting curly W's in every book Let's go Nats We've got a game to play, we're gonna win today Let's go
Did you know a 2018 study showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual. When I was four months pregnant, I couldn't find a prenatal I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested for heavy metals, and recently earned the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. But don't just take my word for it. Get 25% off at virtual.com slash podcast. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. 